Amen. Well, thank you for that new song. And it really was a new song, if you notice the copyright. It hasn't been out very long, but fits very well with uh, where we're headed in John today. And, and uh, good to see uh, the good things that God does. And one of them is with Gary. Because I don't know if you remember the first time he got up and, and led music. The microphone was here, and he was over here. And he was actually leading us, giving us the melody, and boy, God, God brings us growth and, and uh, does some good things in us. So thank you, Gary. <clears throat> thank you, Donna. All right, turn to John chapter 1 now, if you would, please, as we uh, continue to begin <laughs> the book of the Gospel of John. Um, John came to know Jesus. Uh, he, he got to know him a little bit at a time. He, he realized things about him as, as those three years happened uh, to figure out who, who is this man, uh, this rabbi, this one who was calling people to follow after him. And, and for him, that, the realizations of who God is happened over time. But as he begins his gospel, remember he's writing after having followed Jesus for many, many years. Now an old man, probably around 90 years old, who has been persecuted and uh, suffered for Jesus. He's, he's been in many different circumstances, giving the gospel, uh, teaching people, uh, raising up disciples for many, many years, and now he's going to, to add to the other three Gospels that have already been written. And he starts off not by letting us get to know Jesus the way he did. No, he starts off, this is who this man is. This Jesus that we're telling you about. And he, and he gets right to business, doesn't he, as we saw last week. Uh, follow, follow along with me, uh, if you would. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And as we looked at the first four verses last week, you can see uh, John just lays into who Jesus is 
heavily, right? He was the Word. He was the, the revelation of God. And when he says was, remember we, we looked at the, at the fact that was what means that he was existing in an ongoing way in the past. In other words, it wasn't that he came into being at a point in time, but he had been the Word. He had been with God. He always had been being God. That's who this man is. He is the creator God and, and existed before anything else was created. Nothing else was created that he wasn't involved in creating. Therefore, he wasn't created, right? Some people try to teach that. But no, he, he is the uncreated one who is God, who in fellowship with the Father. And then verse 4, in him was life. In other words, life always was existing in him, and he is the giver of life to all that live. And not just biological life, not just animal life, but it uses the word there, zoe, which, which is the life of God, which is the kind of God of life that God breathed into Adam when he created him. Created him to be something totally different, made in his own image. Bearing the life of God within him. And we started to get a little bit into the concept of light last week, but not very much, because now John's going to say, this man, Jesus, is the light. Verse 4 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so this life that dwells within him is what makes everything make sense. For humans, that, that word man you could, is, is the word for, for humanity, not um, like male. In other words, the fact that we have the life of God within us, we can understand the world that we've been placed in, that he created, in a whole different way. It's like light to our eyes. That's something that was given to Adam, and yet there's a sense in which we forfeited that when Adam and Eve chose to sin. So we've given up that kind of life, that's why Jesus, who has the life within him, had to come so that we could have that life. And so as, as John heads into this idea of light, it's just one of many word pictures that he, that he uses because he, he wants us to know Jesus, the one that he's amazed and says, I'm just the disciple whom Jesus loved. It seems as though John was just overwhelmed with the fact that one like him could love me. One who is God, one who is the creator, one who is life and light could love me. He said, let me give you these pictures. And of course, they're not original with John. He's just taking the pictures that Jesus gave to him so that he could understand who he was. And so as we continue on through the gospel, we're going to see John giving us evidence and showing us in, in things acted out and words spoken and the way Jesus lived that he is in fact the word, that he is in fact the light. But light's one of those, those great pictures because we intuitively know what light is if we can see, right? Because it's, it's light that makes seeing and understanding our surroundings so much easier. I mean, if, if you take away your ability to see, 
so much more difficult. You have to use your sense of touch. You have to use your sense of hearing. You have to use information that you get from others, right? In order to, to make sense of the world around you. But with, with light and with the ability to receive light through your eyes, all of a sudden, if, if you were to go from being totally blind to, to now being able to, then being able to see, it would totally change your world and your perception of your world. Jesus came to transform our understanding of the world that he made. In the dark, it's easy to believe about anything about the world around us, right? Just think of a little child in the dark. You can imagine lots of things. Maybe if you're a little older, too. But especially if people are telling you what's out there in the dark. That's why we need to keep on knowing Jesus, who is the light, the word, right? The truth that he brings in himself and in the written words that he preserved for us. And to know that more fully in a setting that we're in because we are being told by others what's out there in what for them is the darkness. We live in a time and, and people are telling us the most outrageous things about the world around us. They're telling us things that we, we look at and they're obvious and they're true and they're telling us the opposite. I don't know if it's ever been as true as it is today that we can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. We can't tell the difference between life and death or what's valuable, that, that life is valuable, what, what is sin and what is right. All those things, the world around us is telling us the opposite of what we as believers, because we have the word, because we have the light, can see, no, that's, that's just not so. And we're being bombarded with it over and over and over again, right? After a while, you might be tempted to believe those lies. And they are lies because the people who are telling them can't see. They are yet in the darkness. But Jesus is the light. He created all of this. God, the God provided a plan for eternity, for our salvation, and for his glory into eternity, and has revealed that to us. Therefore, we have light we can see. Therefore, we need to believe what it is he has given us to see. And it begins really with Jesus. It says he is the light. He, in other words, he is revelation to us about what is real, what is true, who God is. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And the author of that book starts off very similarly to what John does. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where he says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in, in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So you can say that throughout the history of the world, but especially the, the nation of Israel, the light, there was light that came in smaller doses, smaller amounts, through different means, through different people. But the full light came when God finally said, Here is my son. It's like a gradual lightning 
<laughs> All of a sudden, the, the sun bursts out over the horizon, right? Lights everything up and then keeps on shining. That's the picture John wants us to get of Jesus. As a matter of fact, that's how uh, Zacharias described this in Luke chapter 1. Verses 76 through 79. And Zacharias, you may remember, was John the Baptist's father. And when he was able to finally speak, after being told that he was going to have a son that he didn't expect to have, uh, this is part of what he said and what he said to that son after he was born. He said, and you, child, will call, be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Now listen here. With which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So here... Prior to Jesus' birth, first of all, you know, looking back in, into the Old Testament scriptures, into the book of Isaiah, but then Zacharias, whose son was to be the one who was going to go before Jesus, prepare the way for him, says, what's coming is a great light. His light is going to shine on us, show us God's way, the way of peace. And that's, that's an amazing thing, that God would come and bring that to the world for us. And what's even greater is then what John continues to say there, if we get back to John chapter 1, <clears throat> the end of verse 5 it says, And the darkness did not comprehend it. So the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. So Jesus came, and, and because of sin, everything is covered, dark, right? We don't see. He came to shine. And, and the New American Standard says, does not comprehend it. That, that word literally means to lay hold of. So that your translation may not say comprehend. Your, your translation may say the darkness did not overcome it. And the reason for that is, is that word means to lay hold of. Well, you can lay hold of things for different reasons, right? You can lay hold of something in order to understand it, okay? It's kind of like saying, oh, I got it, right? I've, I've laid hold of un the understanding of that. And so uh, the translators who put that as they, the, the darkness did not comprehend, didn't lay hold of the light to understand it. In other words, Jesus came, world didn't get him. Couldn't grab hold of the concept of who he was. The other translation did not overcome the light, and I, I tend to lean more that way, is to, grab, to lay hold of in order to overcome, to lay hold of in order to get rid of. And you think about the darkness, because the way darkness is used throughout here in John's Gospel, it's not, a, not just a passive darkness. It's not just an absence of light but it's an active working against the light. And so I think as John has seen the truth spreading over, the, over these decades that he's served the Lord and led in the church, it's gone out 
And yes, he's seen that there have been those who haven't comprehended, haven't gotten it. But more than that, the darkness hasn't been able to stop the gospel from going out. As it's continued to spread in different places, and as he even probably writing this from Ephesus has seen people changed, even though it's a place of great darkness, a place of idol worship, a place of, of people fighting against the truth. Remember, there was, a great, there was a great riot in Ephesus when Paul was there, and yet they didn't overcome the light. The light kept on shining. See, because Paul wasn't the light, he, had to, he left at that point. But the light continued to shine. And now, after decades, John's still there with the church. And the light continued to shine there, but in other places. And then John... The Apostle John, who's writing this, kind of seems to make a switch. He introduces now John to us. Not himself, but John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer. And why, why do we suddenly get into this man, John the Baptist? Well, we have to understand the incredible impact that this man had in the world. And certainly in the world of, of people who believed in Jesus or were familiar with Jesus. Because... When, when he came on the scene before Jesus began his public ministry, people came from all over to come and hear him teach. Come to hear him say, get ready for the kingdom of God is at hand. And some of them saw him. Then they went back home to wherever it was that they lived in other parts of, of the known world. It's interesting that it was in Ephesus that Aquila and Priscilla, who ended up being... Uh, companions in, in the ministry with Paul, uh, first met Apollos. And Apollos only knew about what John the Baptist had taught, only knew about the baptism that he had of repentance from sin. And then later, Paul comes to Ephesus. And who does he run into? But 12 men who have heard what John the Baptist taught and been baptized in the baptism of John the Baptist but didn't know anything about Jesus coming, didn't realize that, that the one John the Baptist was pointing to had actually shown up. And so his, his impact was great in, in various parts of the world. It's interesting today, there's even a group, uh, they say, I believe it's in Iraq, who still follow the teachings of John the Baptist. You know? And so it, what he taught... And the impact that he had on the world was really important, and people knew about him. And John, John, the Apostle John, wanted to make sure that when people came to read about Jesus, who was the Word, who was the light, they wouldn't get confused and think that maybe John the Baptist was that person. Because after all these many years, there are still people out there who didn't know the full story. So who was this, this John? And we're not going to get into John the Baptist's whole story. The other Gospels do that. But it says here, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. Well, here, here's, here's a man that was... And that word was means to become. In other words, he became, he, he was born, he had a starting point. He wants to give us a good contrast with Jesus, 
who had been continually in the past. And so John, with his very simple vocabulary, gives us a a profound truth. Though, Though Jesus existed in the past in a continual way, John the Baptist came into being. He was one of those things that was made by Jesus. He was a created person. But more importantly, he was a testifying witness about Jesus. And again and again, what you see John the Baptist doing is saying, look at Jesus. Look at him. He's always wanting to turn people's eyes from him and say, look at the one who is coming. And then when Jesus came on the scene, he said, look at the one. Uh, For instance, just in this this chapter, verse 20, it says about John the Baptist, that he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So if you're thinking I'm the Messiah, you're wrong. Verse 27, John the Baptist says, It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. I don't even qualify to be his shoe servant to deal with the most menial of tasks for him. Understand, I am not the one you're looking for. Look to Jesus. He continues on, verse 28. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Next day he saw Jesus coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who is, has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. So John the Baptist was even pointing to Jesus' pre-existence because John was actually born before Jesus was. So he's pointing to the fact that, no, he, he, oh, he has been before I ever came into existence. And then if we jump ahead a little bit to chapter 3, verse 30, John's attitude is very clear there. He says of Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. Get to know him more and more. Understand him. Get your eyes on him. Forget about me. I'm just here to point you to him. That's why it says very clearly in verse 8, he was not the light, but came to testify, to be a witness about the light. So everyone would know Jesus was who they needed to know. Jesus was the one they needed to put their trust in. And there was, verse 9, the true light. The true light. That's another one of those simple words that, that John uses. But it's really important because it it means the genuine light. It's used that way. And that's certainly the case. Jesus is the genuine light. There are those who would say, oh, I'm going to to bring light to you. Uh, But it's not real light. But there's also the sense in genuine in the fact that it's a reflection of the light, right? I might take a mirror and, and, and flash the light of the sun at you. But I'm not the light. I'm not the true light, right? Really, the most important thing here about him being the true light is he is the ultimate light. Every kind of light that there is is just a picture of what Jesus is. 
He is the, the, the full understanding of what the concept of light is. So when we look at these lights that are hanging here, just an idea. Even when we look at the sun, the, 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 you know, the brightest thing that we, we know in our sky, that's not the true light. That just gives us an idea of what the real light, the true light, the genuine light is. And so there was light given through all kinds of ways and in, in, in all kinds of revelation over the centuries as we saw back in Hebrews 1. But the perfect revelation of God came in Jesus. Let's just turn back and see the next verse in that Hebrews passage we were just at. Hebrews chapter 1, we read uh, already verses 1 and 2. And then we don't even have to read all of verse 3. It just says, the first part of it says, He is the radiance of His glory, of God's glory, and the exact representation of His nature and upholds things by the word of His power. That's who this one that was sent that is the fullness of revelation. He is the radiance. There's a word. There's a light word. He is the shining forth of God's glory and the exact representation of the nature of God. So Jesus came and made what God is like visible, a concrete, physical for us so that we can understand the truth. He is the true light. The true light, it goes on, which coming into the world enlightens every man. And so here he introduces a concept that's going to be used again throughout the book of John. Remember, this is the prologue. This is introducing us to the concepts. And now he's going, he's going to be talking about these concepts all throughout the rest of the gospel. Seventy-eight times he'll use this word world. And it, it indicates the sphere in which mankind exists. It's that orderly system that God created and then created man within it and said... Rule over this. Discover this. Figure this out. And glorify me, honor me by the way that you take care of what I've made. Sin entered in, and now the world is not that orderly place where we glorify God by caring for what he made. But the world has become a systematized rebellion against God, led by Satan. And so when John talks about the world, a lot of times what he's talking about and there are shades of meaning, depending on the context, of course. But he's talking about this place that God made for us that turned in rebellion against him. And now, rather than being an orderly place of glorifying him, it's a place that has a systemic rebellion against God. At the very core of it. And it says, the light came into that place. Notice it says, he, it says that he coming into the world. Well, if the word, if the light is God, why did he have to come into the world? Isn't he already present everywhere? Yes, he is. But there's the sense in which Jesus, the word, came to be in the world as a part of the creation. Not just present here, but being born into the world as a man he was coming into it to exist 
as part of it. Taking on a human body, taking on a human nature when he was born. Then from within, he was shining the reality of life. It's a unique thing that began with his birth. But it's also something that hasn't stopped. One of the things that's interesting to note about verse 9 is the word coming and the word enlightens are both present tense verbs, which mean they keep on going. So it's not as though Jesus came into the world and that's it. No, he is coming, continues to come into the world. His presence is ongoing. And he continues to enlighten every man or all men. His presence goes on and on within this world, within this system. And he keeps on enlightening it. So not just in the past, but now. Not just some, but it says enlightens every man. Now this is not a statement of universal salvation, but of universal opportunity and exposure. Now that Jesus has come into the world, he's using his body, the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit to take this provision of light everywhere, to all the world, or to go to all the nations, right? Go into all the world and, what? Preach the gospel. Make disciples, right? And so Jesus, having come into the world, and by the time when John has written this, people have gone lots of different places, bringing that enlightenment, that shining forth of Jesus to so many people. But it's a light that divides, right? Because when the light shows up, it's not as though everybody says, oh, there's the light. No. What's the rea- your initial reaction to light when you've been in the darkness? Yeah, it's like, oh. And then you have a choice, right? You can keep your, keep your hand over your eyes. Or you can turn to the light and see what's really going on around you and adjust, and now live your life according to what's been revealed to you. Uh, Jesus pointed that out in in chapter 3, and of course we'll get to this in more detail later, but John 3, verses 19 through 21, Jesus said, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. And so Jesus points out that when light comes, it's a dividing line. And you you have one response or the other. If you're saying, oh, I don't want that light because it shows what I've really been doing. It shows what my actions really are, and I don't want to give that up. Keep the light away from me. Or it can be, thank you for exposing the rottenness, the terribleness of my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me. Transform me so that then my my deeds can be what looks right according to who you are and what you have made. And show yourself to be great that you can do good things through me. 
See, the light came into the world to, to, to shine, but not everyone receives it, right? Not everyone wants to be in the light. There's a choice there that has to be made. And as John continues on, he makes that very clear. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. See, Jesus, of course, knows us perfectly, doesn't he? Uh, Colossians 1.17 tells us that he upholds everything, that he, he holds everything all together. How do you hold everything together unless you know it all at the atomic level, right? What it is he does and all the complexity of all that he has made, he knows it perfectly, but he also knows our hearts perfectly. Turn with me to Psalm 139, the first six verses. Here's, here's David's witness of what God knows about us. The one who made us, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. See, Jesus, being the one who knows everything in creation like that, everyone in creation like that, so that even before we say a word or it's formed in our mind, he knew it was going to be there, right? He came unto his this world that he himself had made. And what John tells us is that the world didn't know him. And that, that's a word for experiential knowledge. It had no experience of the Creator, even though he was there, intimately involved in all that they were and everything around them. Um, it's like, like he talks in, like Paul talks to the, the people in Athens in Acts chapter 17. Uh, 26 through 28. And he's calling them to know a God they haven't known. And this is what he tells them, Acts 17, 26 through 28. Speaking of God, he says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So, so God, of course, in his, in his being present everywhere, but also in his hand sustaining all that is, and, and Colossians tells us that's Jesus doing that, not just the Father. He says he's right there. Reach out. But the world doesn't know him has no experience of him because of the darkness and an unwillingness to see the, dark, the light that's come to them, wants to exist in the darkness. But it's worse than just coming to the world that he created, according to verse 11. It says, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Now, this could re refer, as we've already been seeing, to, to creation, because certainly the creation, all of creation, belongs to Jesus. 
But that point's already been made in the previous verse. Uh, commentators have indicated that a good translation of this could be, he came to his own place and things, but his own people did not receive him. So this is likely a reference to the nation of Israel. Both the land and the people are claimed by him as his own. He says, the land is mine. I've let you take care of it for a while. He says, you are my people. I've called you out for my own purposes. He should have been warmly received coming into Israel. Coming in as the light, they should, oh, the light is here. The light is shining. Praise God. In the place where people, where God's plan had been worked out, in a place where he had put a temple to represent his presence among them. Certainly, that was the place where Jesus should have come and been warmly welcomed in. and said, come on in, come home. But John tells us, but his own, his own people did not receive him. Now understand, this isn't a special condemnation of Israel or the Jewish people. It's an understanding of just how resistant human beings are to the light and the truth as sinners. <clears throat> even the ones who had all of that special revelation, even those who had God's intervention in their lives to such a degree, even they didn't receive the light when he came. Even with every good reason to welcome him and believe, we as human beings reject the light and its exposure nature. It requires a work of God in our hearts for us to change, right? To, to realize, I need that light. I want that light because that is what is good. So that even the people called by God's own name didn't receive him. But verses 12 and 13 bring us the good news. Right? But as many as received him, in other words, there will be some. <clears throat> some will welcome him in. To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So he links those two words, to receive, to welcome in, and to believe, to entrust yourself to, right? There's where the good things begin. When the light is, is welcomed in, when the light, when the word is believed in, and, and people entrust themselves to him, then they have the ability, they are granted the ability to become children of God. Now he's making it clear, not everyone has the ability to be children of God, right? <clears throat> a lot of people talk about, oh, well, we're all children of God. And there's a very basic way in which that's kind of true and that we were all created by God. But in the sense John means here, no. John says, no, you only are granted the ability, the authority, the power to become God's children when you welcome him in, you receive him, when you believe in him, when you entrust yourself to him, you say, okay, you did it, Jesus. You died for me. I turn myself over to you. That's when you're given the ability, the authority, the power to be his children and to enter into all that it means to be a child of God. And notice, too, that he's, it's not something we do. It is supernatural that we can enter into that. 
verse 12, <clears throat> I'm sorry, verse 13 says, Who were born, children of God, were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So this new birth doesn't have its source source in your ethnic background or your race. doesn't matter who you're descended from. It doesn't come from human desire or the relationship of a man and a woman. That's not what decides your being born as a child of God. It isn't because a man decided it would happen. And the word there for man, the will of man, means male. It's not as like a man saying, well, well we're going to have children. No, no, it's not that kind of decision. It only comes out of God, from God. And, the, and all those words in there where it says of have to do with source. What's the source? Well, it's not this is the source. It's not this is the source. It's not this is the source. It's not this is the, only out of the source of God himself. Only one way to become a child of God, by receiving Jesus, welcoming him in, and entrusting yourself to him. And so this has all been John's God-given desire from the beginning. That people would understand, you need to receive this one who is the word, this one who is the light. Remember his purpose statement. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Having believed, you may have life in his name. The only ones who truly have life in this world are those who are the children of God. They have that life that, is, that exists within the Son, within the one who is called the Word. So understand today, if you haven't entrusted yourself to Jesus, if you haven't believed and received, you can. And all of that can be yours. You can know the light and receive eternal life and begin to understand this world around you that the Maker wants you to know. As long as we keep on living like this, all we have is what we can perceive and what other people tell us, and they aren't perceiving anything better. He calls us to receive and believe, and then to live as children of God. And I believe vast majority of you who are here today already are children of God, but we also have to remember to live in the light, to live according to the truth that is Jesus and that he has given us in this book. And as we move on into John, we're going to see more and more of that truth, but it's not enough to just hear it. We've got to understand how it impacts not just today, today, of course, but also on into eternity. We have to have a longer timeline than the world around us who just wants the next thing that they want, who wants the next desire that's on their list, who want the next pleasure that is theirs. We live not only with light, but with the light dwelling within us. What a, what a pleasure. What a, what a privilege. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us a little bit of an understanding this morning of what Jesus being the light means. And we know we have eternity to, to figure that out even more, and I pray that you would grant that to us, uh, a growing knowledge and understanding of what it means that 
that it would grow not just in our, our intellect um, or even in our emotions, but in our, our actions, in our, our thinking, in our lives, and, and the things that we do. Uh, that we wouldn't stumble like those around us who, who don't have Jesus, who don't know his truth, but that we could be then a reflection of his light to them. I look forward to things that you will be pleased to do in and through us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.